0: text is that Jesus and, and, and three of his disciples had just come down the Mount of Transfiguration. They were met then by a, a boy that was possessed with devils. It seemed like no one could cast the boy out and or the devil out rather. And the Bible says, and Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief for verily I say unto you because they wouldn't know why couldn't we do it? He said because of your, your unbelief for verily I say unto you if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed ye shall say unto this mountain remove hints to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you nothing is impossible tonight to you because nothing is impossible with your god and for a little while tonight and i'll try to make it a little while i want to just rehearse that idea and that concept in your mind that nothing is impossible can you say that with me nothing is impossible i'd even like to break it down like this no thing is impossible hallelujah hallelujah lord jesus we come to you tonight we're thankful lord for your great grace and your mercy i pray oh lord god let faith arise in this house God let faith arise in the hearts and souls of every believer in this place. Every household. God for Lord Jesus the church over all. Let faith arise. I pray oh God in this place as we rehearse in our minds and rehearse in our ears. God how you have come through over and over again Lord in your word. I pray oh Lord today we want to rally around the impossibility of our God. We want to rally around the fact that no thing is impossible with you. Lord we love you and we praise you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say Amen Amen you may be seated tonight in Jesus name nothing nothing is impossible with God nothing is impossible to you it was something that I listened to, and it may be a month or so ago now, that changed my whole perspective and dynamics on the scripture that I read in your hearing. And I think, Sister McGee, I was listening to Nathaniel Wilson from uh, Wilson University that was actually speaking concerning this very verse, and he relayed the concept or the idea. We have all times looked at this verse. We have seen that if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, that you could say to the mountain, "Be thou removed," and it shall be. Removed, But he he brought this into real context for me that I never really took pause to understand and that the mountain that is being spoken of here in the scripture is the mountain of dirt that would be from the perspective of a mustard seed you plant a seed in the soil and you mound up the dirt. It's from the perspective of that tiny, which is a very small, many of you know how small and minute a mustard seed is, that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, that seed that sets down in the soil with a mountain of soil over it, it can look up at the soil and say you're going to be removed and you're going to place yonder. But the only way that that can happen is because the seed is determined. I'm not always going to be the size that I am I'm going to sprout some roots and I'm going to grow and I'm going to flourish. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the mustard seed is the least of all seeds. But whenever it grows, it becomes the greatest among herbs. That's how the seed could say, Mountain, you're going to be removed because I'm not going to stay at the size that I am. And so I'm trying to admonish us tonight, whatever size your faith is today, don't let that be the size of your faith tomorrow. It can grow. It can prosper. It can be larger than the mountain of dirt that is upon you. Someone say amen. amen. It's an amazing. He said that thing will grow into a tree so that the birds of the air have a place to land upon. A bird that at one time in that seed's infancy could have ate the seed. Now it's lodging on the very same thing that was placed in the ground. Because it refused to remain the same size. Someone say amen. Nothing is impossible with God. We read in the scripture that the Lord gives us that verse of Luke 1 For with God, nothing shall be impossible. But the context of all that is really what's mind boggling. He says all of that. That is brought into our verses of scripture into the word of God. With two episodes that are happening in scripture at that time. One is Mary who is a virgin that has a child. In the womb. Someone say impossible. So one is a Mary who is a virgin that has a child in the womb. Impossible. But another is a lady by the name of Elizabeth. Six months further into her pregnancy. That is old and well stricken in years. And yet she has a child. And she had been barren. So on the, the cusp or on the heels of these two stories, a virgin woman with a child and an old lady that had been barren past the years of being able to bear a child, having a child, comes the words of scripture, for with God nothing shall be impossible because by all prospects a virgin should not have a baby and an old woman that's barren should not have one either. But we're not taking in consideration nature. We're taking in consideration in the supernatural, Almighty God. Yes. Oh, someone say yes. Jesus speaks to his disciples in Matthew 17. He tells them, you got a little bit of unbelief. He tells them, if you just have grain, just have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, we can, you can do great things. And so we're familiar with that terminology. We're familiar with the terminology that nothing is impossible with God. We're familiar with that promise. But you got to understand that Elizabeth and Zechariah were also familiar with all of that. It wasn't because they had a lack of desire amen to have a baby but it's that they just didn't have the capability the functioning was not there in order for them to have a child if I may say it like this it just wasn't possible It just wasn't possible. The Bible says that when Zechariah went to the temple to serve in his law as a priest, when the angel of the Lord told him that according to the time of life, you're going to have a baby because of his doubt, the Bible says that Zechariah was struck down when he received the angel's words because of his disbelief. But according to the time of life, there was a son that was born unto Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, and his name was called John. Folks, when I say nothing is impossible with God, that's just not a fancy little phrase. That's not a cliche. That's not something just to pacify us or encourage us. It is a fact that nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't matter what the hard time is it doesn't matter what the lack of finance is nothing nothing what are you saying i'm saying god can take care of that disease god can take care of those finances god can take care of that need someone say yes god can nothing is impossible with god god that's what we say that when we say that to people God, nothing's impossible you're trying to tell them that it's okay god's got this. We're trying to tell them everything's going to be all right. Right. Someone say amen. Everything's going to be all right. But here's the fact of the matter. If there is a impossibility with God, it's this. It's not cancer. No, it's not finances. It's not horrific natural disasters. No. No. The only impossibility that God has. You've heard me say this before, but let's rehearse it in airs ears. The only impossibility that God has is it's impossible for him to do nothing. Someone say amen. It's impossible for God to do nothing. When you don't see him, he's working. When you don't feel him, he's working. He's working it out. He's working. But I don't see it, pastor. That's all right. He's working upon the authority of his word. God has an impossibility and his impossibility is to do nothing. Well, don't look like it's getting any better. Let me tell you, he's working because it's impossible for God to do nothing. Well, someone say yes. Multitude of Israelites came out of Egyptian bondage. They had what they had. They had what they had spoiled from the Egyptians. They spoiled them, the Bible says. Spoiled the Egyptians of their belongings. Spoiled them of what they were wearing. Some of their code. Some of their silver. Amen. And now they're wandering in a wilderness for 40 years in a wilderness wandering before they entered their promised land because they doubted that God could give it to them as he said he would give it to them and yet in those 40 years of travel the Bible says that their clothes did not wax old and the shoes upon their feet did not either do you understand that there were some kids that came out of Egypt and wandered for 40 years in the wilderness Fred I don't know how it happened it must be miraculous but somehow their shoes grew with their feet. Understand what I'm telling you? Somehow they did not wax old. The clothes did not wax old. And yet, along on the journey in those 40 years, when they needed water, it came forth from a rock on more than one occasion. They had food, manna that fell from heaven. They had quail that came from the sea. They could throw in a tree and bitter water, and it would become sweet. How in the world? Because nothing is impossible with God or unto the people of God. Someone say amen. Amen. He said in Deuteronomy 2 and 7, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. He's talking to Israel. He sees where you're at. He sees where you're walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked thou hast lacked nothing. In other words, as long as they were with God, as long as they were the children of God, he was their God and they were not going to lack anything because there's one impossibility with God and that is to do nothing. That's how they had food to eat, water to drink, healing for their body, resources when nobody else had resources because God couldn't step by and just see them struggle in the wilderness without stepping. To the plate and say, I'm going to step in and do something about this. Someone say, Amen. So, what we need to do as individuals, what we need to do as the church is yoke up with God. I told Dad, I think it was the other day, or maybe it was God. They're so close in personality. I told him, I think it was Dad. I said, Dad. I said, this ain't my church. This is God's church. This ain't this ain't my and it is mine. You understand in the way in which I mean that. So I said, but this ain't my church. This is God's church. You know what that means? That's God's flooded fellowship hall. You know what that means? That's God's tacky glue on the concrete back there. You know what that means? That's God's water out there all around the church building that needs fine drainage somewhere. And if it's God's, I, fixed the, I figure that God's going to take care of it. I just figure if, if it's his, he's going to take care of it. And so I'm just leaning upon the Lord because I've yoked up with him a long time ago in this church many years ago, have yoked up with God. And we've seen the handiwork of God through the past 20 some odd years over and over again come through. Amen, I'm David here standing today. I once was young but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Nothing is impossible with God. God can't just sit around and twiddle his thumbs and be an active. He's not a stationary God. He's an active God. He must do something. Some of you all have that personality. You can't sit still for a moment. You can't put your feet up. You gotta, well, that's God. He's got to be doing something. The Bible states in the Old Testament scripture of Samuel tells the story of David. David is a fugitive at this place in his life. He's running away from Saul. David has just a motley crew of people, all of those that are in debt and distressed. and He just has a motley crew of men, 600 I believe it is, that came to the cave of the Dulem to be there with David. Even his family had come, his brothers had come. Again, it's just a poor group of fellows, really. They're distressed, in debt, and discontent. Now, that's his congregation. Yeah. <laughs> you hear me? Yeah. They're just in debt, in distress, and discontent. Hallelujah. And even in the latter end of their lives, though, evidently something happened because the Bible says they were some of David's mighty men. So God can do something with the distress, the discontent, the debt. Amen. But Here he is. He, he has an army. He takes an army of 400 men and later they grow to 600 men and David and his army had left the city of Ziklag. They had left their wives there, their children there, whatever they had there to go fight a battle. They went to fight the battle. Really, they were going to fight the battle on the Philistine side. They're trying to blend in. They're trying to be covert, if you will, not draw attention. But whenever they learned that this was David and his men, amen, the Philistine said, you all just need to go back home. But little did they understand that while they were away that the Amalekites had shown up it had burned all the city of Ziklag where they had lived it had taken these men's wives it had taken their children away from them and so here is David this is the moment in scripture where the Bible says that David was greatly distressed he's lost his wives his children He's lost anything that he owned. The men that he has been leading now are looking at him and saying, you're looking like a good person to stone. We wouldn't be in this mess had we not went to battle. We'd had our wives and children, our stuff. But because we were following you, this looks like a good man to stone. It's that place in scripture that David said he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, because he wasn't getting encouragement from anybody else. And he's asking God, God, do I pursue after them? Should I overtake this army? Are we going to have success? And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 19 that the Lord said, go. And this is the word of the scripture. And there was, everybody say nothing. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. What did that mean? Every wife that was taken. Every child that was taken. Every bit of livestock and spoil that was taken. They burned the city and took all of it. But David said, I've yoked myself up with God somewhere along the way. I'm going to stand for righteousness and truth. I'm going to be honorable with God. And God said, I'm going to be honorable to you. Go and pursue them. And the Bible says he recovered all. He did not lack nothing because nothing is impossible with God. and I don't have my head in the air tonight I don't have my head in the air I understand you ask my wife I'm a realist I am I'm a realist I believe if God don't come through you have to have a plan B and be smart and use wisdom but you know what I also believe plan B is there until plan A does everything he can do and I am certain of this it's not going to be nothing we already got stuff in the wastebasket that's already brought that number. I don't know what it is, but already brought that number down tonight. Already proved that God, hallelujah, has one impossibility, and that's of doing nothing. I'm convinced by the time we come to the end of this service, there could be some more that roll. I have. You go to war by yourself, you might come back with nothing. But if you go to war with God on your side, you will not come back just empty-handed. There will be something. There's a prophet named Elijah also in the Old Testament. It's all right to rehearse these things in our ears. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, we don't know much about him from the beginning. But he walks out of nowhere into the palace of the courts of Ahab, a most wicked king. And he tells Ahab, this was the debut for Elijah. I mean, no one's heard of him. He's not said anything. And he walks into the palace of King Ahab, a wicked king, and says, it's not going to rain by three and a half years according to the word of the Lord. Now, we think it's awesome when a baby says, Mama and Dada, and here comes Elijah, not known, not known by anybody, and says, it's not going to rain for three years according to the word of the Lord. Heaven shut up. Those three and a half years came to an end. And he tells Ahab again in his presence, Ahab, it's not raining for three and a half years, creeks are drying up, livestock are dying, crops have been hindered because of the drought in the land. And he says, Ahab, prepare your chariot. He said, it's going to rain. As a matter of fact, I hear the sound. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He delivers that message. And he goes to a mountain, puts his head between his legs on the ground and starts praying that God would do what God said he would do. That he would just pray that God would do what God said he would do. And so while he's praying there, he has a little servant there with him. And he says, servant, he says, I want you to go over yonder and I want you to tell me what do you see? And the servant goes up yonder And the Bible says that he looked up there toward the sea. Look at it, 1 Kings 18, 43. I got that for you. There you go. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, he wants to know, servant, what do you see? And the servant says, there's nothing. There's no thing, Elijah. He said, go again seven times. Elijah, how would you stay true to this, Elijah. You said it was going to rain. You said God was going to come through and you went to praying about it. You see your servant and he said, sorry, buddy, there's nothing. <laughs> How did you make it through this? under? How did you do it, Elijah? Elijah understood the principle that I'm talking to you about tonight. He knew it was impossible. He knew it was impossible for God to do nothing. And so whenever the servant says, prophet, there's nothing. He says, go back and check again. Why five times? There are six. Go back and what is in your crow, Elijah? I know the principle of God. God can't just do nothing. So he kept going. And on the seventh time, the Bible says the servant came back. He says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know what the servant was saying all the previous six times? Basically to Elijah, it won't happen. It can't happen. It hasn't happened. It's not going to make any difference. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But if you have God on your side, it's impossible for him to do nothing. And so Elijah says, go look again. Go look Look again. Hold on. There's a cloud there, and from that cloud came an abundance of rain. Because God does not just do nothing. We'll yes. yes. say, "Amen." Yes. We're doing all in our right. round time. Hopefully, in the Book of Esther. Now, listen to me. This is a pagan king. The king can't sleep. So he commands the book of the records to be opened up, the chronicles, if you will, of his day, the diary to be read. And he started to read, and I've said oftentimes, do you ever want to fall asleep? Just read the diary of your own life. He's having problems sleeping. He said, "Come and read me what's been happening in my life." You know, brushed his teeth at eight o'clock and got cloaked in his kingly robe by eight <laughs> thirty. What has happened in the life of the king? And so the record is being read to him. The history of his life. But in the process of it being read, it came about retelling the story of what already had happened. That Mordecai had basically spared the king's life by letting Esther and those know that there were two servants in his kingdom that had sought to kill him, but they foiled the plan because of Mordecai's information. He kept danger from coming to the king. And so when the king hears this in Esther 6 and verse 3, the Bible says, and the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that minister unto him, there is nothing done for him. And even the persuasion of a pagan king was this, being a king, you just can't do nothing you're saying there's been no honor, there's been nothing bestowed, no, nothing because it was the normal actions and culture of the king that when something like that had been done on their behalf it was common in their culture for the king to reciprocate and turn around and do something for the individual that had bestowed something upon the king, I'm standing here tonight, that was in a pagan culture but we're living in a godly surroundings and environment, I'm telling you, if that king had that mindset of a pagan culture, how much more does our heavenly king have for our culture? And I can stand here right now and say, when I look back over even the culture of the church, I have seen you all multiple times come bestowing things at the feet of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm convinced, Mike Trout, that he will reciprocate at the appropriate time when it's needful, when it's necessary. Someone say amen. He said, you get Mordecai, you parade him around the city, you put my royal robe upon him, you put my crown upon his head, you let him ride my horse and let somebody go before him, paraded him through town saying, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Folks, I'm just looking toward to the day in the future when I say, yeah, we got a ditch out here. Just look what's done. Uh, Amen for the people that God desires to honor. I can't refrain from doing something. If nothing's been done, then I'm going to do something. Someone say something. Give me a few more minutes, okay? Five minutes at a time, that's all I ask. New Testament scripture. We did some of the old, let's go to the new. New Testament scripture. People come, the Bible says, to a desert place, a multitude of people with that in Mark 8. They came there to hear Jesus Christ teach To hear and and receive his pearls of wisdom. They've been there for three days. They've been listening intently to what he had to say. The Bible says in Mark 8 and verse 1, In those days the multitude being very great. The Bible says something's very great. Man, it's a whole mess of them. And look, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them. He says, I have compassion on the multitude because they've now been with me. Three days and have nothing to eat. You know what he's saying? That goes against who I am. That goes against who I am. They've been here three days and they've had nothing to eat. In other words, I I can't have them here for three days under my teaching, having a teachable spirit and send them away with nothing. (laughs) And so it was a great lesson here for the disciples this day. It's a great thing even for us. Listen here. This is encouragement, not just for the back or whatever else may be going in life. But this is encouragement that his he taught his disciples in this moment that whenever people gather together to hear the word of the Lord and are taught and instructed by the word of God, they will not leave the assembly with nothing. No, 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 no. What you're saying? Every time you show up for church, you're leaving them with something. Every time you submit yourself to the teaching and the preaching of God's word, that's what he's saying. They've been here for three days listening to my teaching and my preaching. He said, they've had nothing. We're not going to send them home with nothing. Son, you need to have a determination in your mind. Every time you come to the house of God, I wonder what I'm going home with tonight. I wonder what I'm carrying home tonight. I wonder what I'm leaving the sanctuary with tonight. You might have come in with nothing, but you're going to leave it with at least something because it's impossible for your God. To do nothing. He's active. He is involved. Someone say amen. Amen. So when you enter on Sunday and Wednesday, any other time that we have service and you interact with God, you're not going to leave with nothing because that is impossible. Someone say that's impossible. Because God is a God that acts. He's a God that moves. He is a God that must be involved. I've relayed it before, desired to relay it again tonight. It's been now a few years ago, a few years ago, whenever we first got the landscaping in out front, we didn't have anything but grass out there. And uh, whenever we got the landscaping in out front, had a business from Vincent's come and install it. It's been a few years ago now. Matter of fact, I think it was in 2009. It's been quite a while ago. But uh, thank God for it. And it's dressed up the front of the church, and it's great in spring through the summer. But uh, whenever they first gave us a quote, it was going to be $10,000. Remember it. Remember it. And so we worked around with a few things, and it ended up being half that amount. So we got all this different stuff out here, you know, knockout roses. love to see them. And maiden grass and all kinds of stuff out there that blooms at different times throughout the summer. And so glad of it. And I remember after they had done that in that, in that summertime and headed toward the winter, and winter was coming on, and, of course, you know, the bitter cold of winter is setting in, and some of the plants, you know, they had put out there. They pruned them, of course, in the fall. And they just, I mean, someone that was a novice, they looked dead. I mean, for a novice like me, I'm looking out there and thinking, boy, there went $5,000. Oh, God. I'm going to have to tell the church this. And I'm looking at all this, and, man, they look so dead. We paid $5,000 for plants that died in its first season. And then one of the professionals came through. Then one time they were checking out things that come by. I might have even called them. I don't remember but they had come by and they said, now, Pastor McGee, Pastor McGee. They were trying to lay all of my frustration and what I was feeling. Now, Pastor McGee, don't get too worried. Don't get too worried about nothing changing. Don't get too worried about nothing taking place and how it seems like the plants look dead. Don't, don't get too worried about it. She, he said, because it looks like there's nothing taking place, Pastor McGee. said, but let me assure you, that while it looks like nothing is taking place all the along during this dormant season. He said there's roots going deeper in the soil. Whew. Under the surface where your eye can't perceive it. He said there's something taking. He said you're not seeing no upward growth. He said but there's some downward growth that's taking. I'm here to tell somebody tonight that when it looks like nothing, it might be a winter season for you or a fall season for you. Honey, roots are going deeper just for your next spring, just for your next to summertime. There's going to be... Oh, yes! Because God has to be active. Yes! Someone say Amen. <laughs> nothing. No thing is impossible. Everybody say it. No thing thing. is impossible. John 21 verse 3. I'm trying to get there. I'm running. John 21 verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go go a fishing. I get a kick out of some of these disciples. (laughs) I go a fishing. I could say that there's a certain stake that I think maybe he could have been from but he was over in the Middle East, so it doesn't really apply. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught no thing. They caught nothing. Verse 4, here's the contrast. But when the morning was now come, And Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? In other words, have you caught anything? (laughs) And they answered him, No, if I can. Nothing, zilch, nada. (laughs) But Peter and the others went fishing with each other. And they caught nothing. Jesus isn't really surprised by their word to him. Children, have you any meat? That they would come back and say, no, nothing, zilch, nada, not a thing, Lord. Because the only impossibility that he has is nothing. You hearing me? (laughs) But that's not the case with man. When man tries to do stuff his own ways, there's many times I've came up with nothing. (laughs) Not a zilch. Whenever I've done it on my own. But matters sometimes can be different. Whenever Jesus shows up. Someone say amen. I wonder if Jesus had been on the boat. If they would have said we've caught nothing. I doubt it. Because he don't operate like that. Even if they got one minnow sideways on a hook. It would have been more than what they had got. And here's Peter. He understands then in a moment. That that's the Lord on the shore. And the Bible says that Peter in so much that he desired to be with the Lord that in the moment he jumped out of the boat... He jumped out of the boat into the water. And here he is since the Lord's in proximity. Since the Lord is on shore. Since I'm now with God. Amen. The Lord says let down the net. And whenever they let down the net. The Bible says they brought up 153 fishes. And the net did not break. Because their nothing that they got with themselves. Turned into something when they joined up with God. Honey, put it in the pan. Well, that's nothing. If you do it with God's Spirit on it, he'll be something. Don't <laughs> honey, if you're staring in the eyes of nothing tonight, it doesn't matter if it's finances, if it's health, if it's problems or situations, I command you, I implore you, invite God into that situation. Invite God into that report. Amen. If you got a nothing, invite God in that because he will do something. Stand with me tonight. I'll close. I'm good. No thing, nothing is impossible with God. No thing is impossible with God. We could spend again, we could spend a large portion of this night talking about what God can do. What he can do but instead of talking about everything he can't do, let's just underscore the one thing that he cannot do, okay? And that's nothing. I mean, we people will fill books with everything that God has done. But let's just take a moment to reflect upon the thing that he cannot do, and that's nothing. Because that really sets the premise, if you will, for everything that he can do. Because there's nothing, there's nothing that he cannot do. So we're coming to a close here tonight. And purposely, I brought all this, of course, with this in mind. But outside of all this, there may be things in your own lives. There might be some mountains that seem uncrossable and rivers that are hard to pass over. You might feel like you're walking through the fire. Isaiah said, though, it did not even touch him through the waters and it did not overtake him. God can show up into your circumstance tonight just the same as the circumstances of this church. I presented a need here this evening. People have already given to that need. We're going to pray tonight. These altars are going to be open. I'm telling you now, you need to prove God. Prove God in your own life. Beyond finances, but that mustard seed, let it grow and become bigger than the pile of dirt that covered it up. By your faith, just not staying where it is, but it would excel and it would grow. But the way that oftentimes that happens is you've got to prove God. You hear me? You've got to prove God. You gotta, the conditions have to be favorable for a miracle. I've never seen a blind eye open for a man that wasn't blind. The conditions have to be favorable for a miracle. Never seen the, the healing for a particular diagnosis come to somebody that didn't have the disease. You understand what I'm getting at? The conditions gotta be there for the miracle. So if you're saying, God, I want to experience the miraculous, then you might find yourself in a place that you need a miracle. But you just prove God. You just prove God. We're going to pray here this evening. My wife will hold the, or Brother Johnson can again, hold the trash can if anybody is, God's pricked your heart. and You feel like, you know what? There's nothing impossible with God. You know, I could really use this for some outstanding bill. Because listen, folks, my $2,800 fix is not paid for yet. It'll be paid for here probably throughout the year. But I'm letting go of what I let go of tonight because, well, we have other things, God, I'm just trying to give to the kingdom. And I have this confidence. If I sow seed over there, it's going to come up somewhere else. <laughs> we went our Texas, especially, we traveled, we traveled almost 70, almost 7,700 miles this past year and just going to prisons and preaching out. And spent not counting gas money because that's in our miles. Spent over two thousand dollars, in excess of that, for food, lodging, planes, going to these prisons. But you know what? God's never failed me. What 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 are you thinking? Wouldn't it be nice to have that two thousand some odd dollars right now to put toward that 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 vehicle repair? Not really, because I know the principle of harvest. You sow, what sparingly you reap. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap. Honey, I just did sowing last year. Harvest is coming this year somewhere. How can you say that, Pastor? Because it's impossible for God to do nothing. You know what? I'm so crazy. I'm so crazy about it, Brother Trout. I'm going to do it all over again this year. We got plane tickets we need to buy for Hawaii. You hear me? To go to prison in California? Yeah! I don't know how it's all gonna shake down. But you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. How can you do that? Because I've seen him do it over and over and over. Well, I've never seen that before. Have you stepped, have you allowed your mustard seed to become the herb of all trees? If you stay in the ground, the pile of dirt will always look like a mountain but if you step out and allow that thing to pierce through the ground what was below it becomes above it you just got to circumstances got to arrive where you just got to have favorable for a miracle and just watch God trust God be faithful to God oh do you tell me you don't have no doubts or reservations no there's times I have doubts and reservations there's times each of us do you know but we just remind each other we just go give this to God I always time say sometimes I pray this a lot. Even whenever I go to hospital, sometimes praying, there's all kinds of circumstances going. On. I'm saying, God, this is your is in your hands, whatever it is I'm praying to say, God, this is in your hands. That's where it was to begin with. And that's where it will be to finish with. I all the time pray that Bishop. I'm in hospital sometimes and someone's just sitting there in a horrible condition. I'm like, God, this is in your hands. That's where it was when it started, and that's where it's going to be when it finishes. I'm saying, God, all of this mess, whatever going on in your life, folks, it is in his hands. That's where it was to start with, and that is where it will be to finish with. Because nothing is impossible with God. Can we bow our heads all over this sanctuary one more time? Hallelujah. If you want more stories, come see me and Sister McGee. We could tell you stories about finances and giving and blessing, Lord. My wife's got diaries back whenever we used to travel with stories written in there of God coming through, God coming through, God coming through. Whew, he is faithful, folks. He is faithful. Amen. Right now in the Holy Ghost, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, unto you. God, I pray, oh, Lord, God, we may, Lord, have started, God, in infancy. Every man amaze your faith. God is a seed in the ground. God, in the soil, may appear to be a mountain. But, God, we're not staying in that position God, we will grow and we will prosper, Lord, to become a tree that towers over God that once towered over us. God, I'm so thankful for these people. God, I just want to, Lord, to rehearse in their ears tonight. About the impossibility of God doing nothing. The impossibility of Him doing no thing. I pray, O oh Lord, let our faith arise in this place. God, it's not to say that we won't have our woes and we won't have the things that subtract from us. We won't have our sufferings and we have our headaches. It's not to say that none of that will happen. But it is to say that God in it all is still working even when we can't perceive it. He's still working even when we don't understand it. He's still working. He's working. He's working and He'll work it out he'll work it out for his benefit he'll work it out for his good and though it may not feel like it in the process to me he's working it out for our good your good sir your good ma'am these altars are open if someone wants to pray amen brother Johnson you can come up here at front and the, 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 the receptacle is here if there's anybody else that wants to give before you leave tonight that's there. thank you for listening